0: Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty.
1: Good morning to the Victory Church family. I'm so excited to be uh, back in the pulpit this week. It's an honor to be back with you guys. Um, I'm so uh, thankful for the team here and, and the amazing communicators that we have in this house and Pastor Wade and Pastor Oscar and many others who, who come and, and uh, bring ama- amazing anointed messages from this pulpit. We, we are grateful for you as a house. Can we thank the leadership of the church? Can we just give them, give them thank you? Thank you, Pastor Wade, Pastor Oscar, the whole staff. All right, turn in your Bibles to a couple of verses, a couple of, a, couple of chap- a couple of different places in the Bible. I'm going to test your skills today. Uh, these are pretty close to each other if you've got a paper Bible, so turn to 2 Kings. You can flip over to 2 Kings chapter 18, and then if you want to put a pen in it, put, a, put, a, put your hand there and flip over to um, 2 Chronicles 32. We're going to camp out on both of these today. So um, we're becoming sons and daughters. We've always been sons and daughters, but we're starting to behave like it and we're starting to recognize it. And we're starting to realize that we're not orphans, that we're sons and daughters. So what I wanna talk to you about today is something that if we're not careful, if we behave like orphans, there may be something that God is wanting to use in our life with intentionality and with purpose. And if we behave as orphans, we'll miss it because it's something that's very difficult to walk through It's something that's a challenge to walk through as believers. And I wanna talk to you about something this morning that maybe you've never really heard a sermon on before because a lot of times we preachers talk to you all the time about how you should hear from the Lord and hear from the Lord and hear from the Lord and hear from the Lord, and And you should, and you should seek seek to hear from the Lord. But I came today to talk to you about what do we do when God's silent? there's this 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 thing called the silence of the Lord. And maybe you're thinking, well, wait a minute, that, that's weird. Why why are we gonna talk about God being silent? And now you have God's word, always keep this in mind. So if you read God's word, he is speaking to you. He is available to speak to you anytime you'll crack the book and read it. But I'm talking about those times where where it seems like your prayers hit the ceiling and come back down. And the times where you, 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 you all know the times in life where you feel like God's just right there, and you're getting words, you're getting scriptures, you're getting things that just pop off the page at you and everything, and then there's seasons of life where things just seem dry, and you read the Bible and nothing jumps out at you, and, and no one's coming up to you to encourage you, no one's coming up to you and saying, I feel like the Lord's saying this to you, and, and you don't even sense the Holy Spirit of the Lord speaking to your, your heart, and what do we do in, in these seasons so I want to talk to you about that subject. I want to, the title of my message is, God, why are you silent? And, and I want to pastor a real church where we talk about real things, and we don't just um, pretend like everything's roses and everything's great. Let's talk about the real times in life. And if you're the person that's like, well, God talks to me every day, well, then you get a week off. <laughs> you just get to sit back and chill and polish your halo while we all try to figure out what it's like to walk through difficult seasons. So what I want to talk to you about today is is this subject. So you've got these passages. Before I read them, I want to talk to you about who this is. This is Hezekiah. So Hezekiah was the 13th successor to David. He was the reigning king over Judah's southern kingdom. He reigned for 29 years around, you know, he reigned from approximately from 2015 BC to 686 BC. Um, the Bible says that he did what was right in the Lord's eyes. Now, if you read these, these portions of scripture, it'll go king after king after king. And almost all of them say he did not do what was right in the Lord's eyes. He did not, he did not remove the high places. He did not smash the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. But this, this, this man, Hezekiah, he was a man after God's own heart, similar to David. I want to show this to you in 2 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to pick up in verse 5. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord and the God of Israel, and there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. It says a lot. And he held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. Now watch verse seven. And the Lord was with him, and he was successful in whatever he undertook. That's favor. I'll take some of that. Now, if you if you saved Second Chronicles, flip over to 2 Chronicles. I wanna show you another kind of a portion here that's talking about Hezekiah in chapter 32. Uh, in chapter 32, skip down to verse 27. It says, Hezekiah was very wealthy and highly honored. He built special treasury buildings for his silver, gold, precious stones, and spices, and for his shields and other valuable items. He also constructed many storehouses for his grain, new wine, and olive oil. And he made many stalls for his cattle and pens, for his flocks and his sheep and his goats. And he built many towns and acquired vast flocks and herds for God had given him great wealth. Verse 30, he blocked up the upper spring of Gihon and brought the water down through the tunnel to the west of the city of David. If you go there today, you can see this actual tunnel, Hezekiah's tunnel where he built this shaft, this water shaft. And so he succeeded in everything he did. So 2 Chronicles paints it the same way. And what I'm trying to paint for you is this is a man who did it right. I'm not saying he was perfect, but when they decided to write and tell his story, they said that there had never, never been a king before him nor after him that ever did it as good as he did. That's, that's a pretty big deal. Now I want you to read verse 31 because verse 31 says, however... When ambassadors arrived from Babylon to ask about the remarkable events that he had taken place in the land. Watch this. God withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him and to see what was really in his heart. We all experience seasons of life where it feels like God has withdrew from us. Uh, Seasons of life where it seems as though God has forgotten about you, or maybe he's so busy with all of the other people on earth, he's over here dealing with somebody else and he's going to come back eventually, and you remind you that he's with you. There's just these seasons of life, and there's, there's seasons of life where you just feel like you're waiting on a word, like you just need the Lord to speak. And for some reason, it seems like the Lord has just completely locked the vault. And he's not speaking to you. And if you're not careful, if you behave like an orphan, and if you think like an orphan, you will see it as rejection. And it can actually grow bitterness in your heart. And it can actually grow uh, seeds in your heart that will actually harm you. But I want to, we're learning how to think like sons and daughters. And so what I want to do is I want to show you through the scriptures here, through through some of these scriptures, that there is moments throughout scripture where God is silent, okay? Now think about Elijah. He, God sends Elijah to the brook. Remember this story? Sends him to the brook and he basically says, I want you to stay right here and I'm gonna send ravens to feed you and you can drink from this brook. And we don't know how long he sat there, but it was a while. So he's, he's sitting there in this, in this time of silence. In fact, in 1 Kings 17, it says, he says, leave here and go east and hide in the brook, in the brook of Cherith. So he said, I want you to go hide and enter into the season of, of, of silence. Elijah understood silence. He understood uh, because he thought that God was speaking through the earthquake and the wind and the fire, but God really wanted to come and speak to him. So he had to wait through the storms of the earthquake, the wind and the fire to hear a gentle whisper. And maybe, maybe you're in a season right now where you can relate to that because you're waiting on a whisper. You just need God, just like you're so in tune because you're like, I can't hear anything. And so I need to lean in and you're like, Lord, just a whisper will do. Just a, just a confirmation will do. Just anything that you can do will do, Lord. David was anointed king and had to go back and sit with the sheep in silence. Sheep don't talk. (laughs) David probably thought he was going crazy. The sheep probably thought David was crazy because David's like talking and the sheep are like, who is this guy? What's wrong with this guy? So he's sitting in this field in silence waiting on God. Abraham experienced this twice. Now you think God's been silent to you. Two times in, David's li- in Abraham's life was God silent. Once he didn't hear from the Lord for 10 years. Another time he didn't hear from the Lord for 13 years. He got a promise from the Lord, silence, silence. Um, Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets, he he wrote this in Isaiah 64. He said, you have hidden your face from us. There's times through the psalm, through Isaiah, that you'll hear the author scribe these pains, these feelings of loneliness, of despair. God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? Why are you not speaking to me? In Psalm 74, 9, it says, we are given no signs from God. No prophets are left, and none of us know how long this will be. There, there, are seasons of life, and we should talk about it. We should be real about it, and we shouldn't blame God for it. There's, there are seasons of life where silence is inevitable and perhaps needed. There are moments in life when God seals His lips. <laughs> I love one of C.S. Lewis's writings. He wrote in a book, his book, a grief, a grief observed. His wife dies. His wife, joy dies. And he wrote this book in 1961, and in in one part of it, he he said that he cried out to God, a door slammed in my face, and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after all of that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. And I think in some ways, um, maybe myself included, preachers or the church has done a disservice to you by getting up on platforms and telling you that God said, and God said, and God said this to me, and then I said this to God, and then God said this back to me, and then God said this, and then I said it back to God, and you're sitting in the book, my Lord, I've never talked to God like that before. When the truth of the matter is, these are highlight moments. You're hearing pastors or leaders or people talking about these moments where God showed up so clearly and spoke so clearly, but many times we're left in the pew thinking, my gosh, why doesn't God do that for me, and why is the silence so deafening? I want to I shift gears on, on this idea today. And I, I, I want to tell you that sometimes, this is what I want to try to present to you today, to comfort you, that sometimes the silence is on purpose. Okay? And that's what I want to try to paint to you and use the scriptures to do so. Because I believe that sometimes God speaks the loudest with silence. Silence. Um, is it possible that the silence is strategy. Is it possible that maybe God uses seasons of silence strategically in our life? And that's what I wanna present to you today and try to walk you through some of these things. So three possibilities, I'm just saying these are possibilities. If you're in a season where you feel like God is silent, you feel like you're in a wilderness season where you need a word from the Lord, you are waiting on a whisper from the Lord, but it seems as though God is silent, I hope to bring you hope today, by showing you that there's three possibilities of ways or, or or purposes that God would use silence in our life. Okay, you ready for number one? If you're writing down, take right, taking notes, write this down. Many times, God's silence prompts mankind's searching. Many times, silence is what it takes to prompt us to begin to search. If if my kids are crying out for me in the other room. Uh, Sometimes I don't like to yell across the house, so I'll just remain silent. And if I remain silent long enough, they'll come looking for me. (laughs) The screaming didn't work and they're like, "Well, my gosh, where is he? Where is he? They had lost sight that I had left the room, maybe on purpose to get their attention. And maybe I wasn't hollering back at them across the house because I wanted them to see, search me out. I wanted them to come find me. Um, if you ever go to a library and you start, try to start talking, somebody's gonna go, shh, because there's people searching in the library. There's people in the library that are, that are searching for wisdom Somebody at some point in history had taken thoughts and taken philosophy or taken theology or taken wisdom and wrote it on paper or wrote it digitally nowadays. And in the library, the library is full of people that are searching for wisdom. And silence is necessary for searching. God will use silence for this purpose. And silence might mean Think about it this way. If God is being silent to you, silence might mean that the wisdom that you're seeking is already available to you, but you need to search it out. Silence maybe means that for this season of your life, God doesn't want somebody to show up and tell you what to do. He wants you to search the scriptures for yourself and search out his will for yourself and see what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you, not through someone else. Many times when we're growing up in our faith, God will use people around you to come up to you and say, hey, I feel like the Lord telling me to tell you this. And man, I'm thankful for those moments. Aren't those great moments? But as we mature in our faith, you know what the Lord wants you to do? He wants you to hear from him yourself. He wants you to learn the voice of the Lord for yourself. And sometimes silence is what he will use to bring this out to to the fullness. So sons and daughters, think about the, the difference between sons and daughters and orphans. Sons and daughters know that when dad is silent, it does not mean that dad is mad at me. It doesn't mean that. Uh, I love my dad. He's one of the greatest dads on the planet. But if he doesn't call me tomorrow, I'm not going to wonder if he still loves me. I, I don't think like that because I'm a son. Okay, or, or orphans think the opposite. They they think that they, they have to be talked to. They have to be told to. And if they if they don't hear from their father, then I've I've been abandoned. Sometimes silence is necessary. And when when the rain is lacking. Uh, maybe I need to send my roots out deeper. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe you're in a season of dryness since maybe the season of dryness is, is intentional. I preached a sermon all about that one time several years ago about how farmers in, 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 at times will actually stop watering their crops on purpose because if I water my crop every single day, the roots stay at the surface because that's where the water's at. And so sometimes farmers will actually turn the spigot off on purpose. And then the plants, it triggers the plants to say, we must go deeper to find nutrition. We must send our roots down deeper to find something else. And so sometimes the rain from heaven stops and it's silence. This is our prompting as mature sons and daughters of the Lord to not whine, to not sulk, to not feel sorry for ourselves, but to say, man, I need to go in search for something else. Watch what it says in Jeremiah 17, 7. It says, blessed is the one whose trust is in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And they will be, these are sons and daughters, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. The stream didn't come to the plant. The plant sent its roots out to the stream and it does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Can you imagine a plant that never fails to bear fruit? It doesn't matter if it's rainy season or dry season, because it's sent its roots out. Watch what David said in 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 a psalm that David wrote. This was when he was in the wilderness. He wrote this when he was in the wilderness himself, Psalm 63. It says, "'Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you.'" as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. In Deuteronomy chapter four, the Lord gave this promise to the Israelites. He says, when you're exiled, if you ever become exiled from your promised land, it says, but from there, from exile, from the weariness, from the wilderness, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Him for he who comes to God must believe that he is now, watch this and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It does not say that he is a rewarder of those who diligently feel for him, it, it doesn't even say that he's a rewarder of those who hear from him. Hearing God, he, he's not that's God's like that's not who I'm going to bless. I'm a rewarder of those who seek after me, even when they don't feel like it, even when things are silent, even when nothing, even when it feels as though the speaker from heaven has been shut off. He says, faith is when you can seek me, even when you don't feel me. Faith is, can you worship me regardless? Can you come after me regardless? Orphans, look at the difference. Orphans live a life based on feelings and sons and daughters live a life based on faith. So during these seasons, okay, if you're in a season of silence, if you're in a season of silence, you must understand that God is building your faith. Do you know that your faith is not being built when, when everything's hunky-dory and great? Is hunky-dory a word? I don't know if that's a word. In Oklahoma, hunky-dory is a word. If you're watching online from another country. Somebody reached out to me this past week from Switzerland. They were watching online in Switzerland. If you're in Switzerland right now, hunky-dory is a word in, in America. So, so look at this difference. Faith flourishes when feelings fail. And feelings flourish when faith fails. If, if, you, if your feelings are on hyperdrive right now, your faith is failing you. This is an interesting difference. There's a lot of scriptures, um, Jesus talks about the bread of life and those who hunger and thirst and a lot of these kind of these metaphors or symbolisms of physical hunger versus spiritual hungry, hunger. But there's some interesting differences uh, between the two. Did you know that you get physically hungry when you don't eat, right? I would almost argue that you, you get more hungry spiritually when you do eat the more you the more you search out the Lord, the more your hunger will actually grow. If you're not eating spiritual food, then you lose your appetite, you lose your hunger. So, so what do we do when God is silent? We have to move past our feelings and step out in faith and say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean in, I'm gonna lean into worship, I'm gonna lean into your word, I'm gonna lean into more time in prayer when I feel like doing less time in prayer because I'm yelling out for dad, but he's not answering me. And so I'm gonna come find you. I'm gonna seek you out. So, so don't attach your faith to your feelings, okay? So, so that's the first one. If, if, you're, if you're feeling like God is silent to you, I wanna encourage you to search. The second thing is this. Keep in mind, okay, uh, in the school's classroom and in God's classroom, silence may mean that you're taking a test. Now in school, if you are are taking a test, the teacher is not talking. Have You ever noticed that before? Now you'll go through weeks where the teacher is standing up in front of the class and saying, don't forget this, listen up class. This is gonna be on the test. You better remember this. You better take notes. Are you listening to me? I'm doing some teaching here. Everyone getting this. Okay, next Friday is the test. And the teacher's like, now when the test comes, you can raise your hand and ask the teacher all the questions you want, but I'm not gonna answer because you're taking a test. So if you're in a season where you feel like God is completely silent, maybe God has you taking a test. Now let's go back to this this verse in 2 Chronicles 32, 31. It says, God withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him and to see what was really in his heart. Um, I'm gonna rat out my daughter for a second. I'm sorry, Corey. The other day I caught her kind of just Googling answers for a study guide, which can I just say, if you can't pass school right now with Google, my gosh. Y'all remember when you couldn't Google the answer and you couldn't FaceTime your friend? Like there was no, you couldn't text your friend and say, hey, what's number six? You know, you you just had to fail is what you had to do. And so she said, like, dad, it's just a study guy. And I'm thinking, yeah, but if you don't learn it for yourself, you'll fail the test, right? So this says that God withdrew from Hezekiah, not because he didn't love him, because he wanted him to take a test so that he could see what was in Hezekiah's heart. Have you really learned this stuff or are you just faking it? Are you really generous or are you just programmed to be generous? What, what's really in your heart? I wanna just I wanna, I wanna do a test. Now here's the good part, okay? Everyone freaks out, they're like, oh my gosh, God's testing me. Here's the cool part about our teacher. You can take the retest as many times as you want to. It doesn't mean you fail. It just means you get to take the test again. You know, my, 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 uh, my daughter will, will will need to go back to the teacher and say, okay, you can take the test again, but only once. And the best you can do is an 80%. So if you get 100%, it's really only an 80%. Our teacher is so much more grace, gracious than that. He's like, listen, you can take this test a thousand times if you want to, and my love for you is the same no matter how many times you take it, and you're going to spend eternity with, in heaven with me no matter how many times you fail this test. Don't worry about it. but But... If you're going through a season where God is silent, maybe you're taking a test. If you walk up to a classroom door, there might be a, a sign hanging on the door that says, shh, testing in progress, testing in progress. Maybe God is, is, is taking us through a test. Now, there's a couple of things to, rem, to I want to remind you of while you're taking this test. Okay, the first one is this. The teacher is still in the room. Okay? Now... If you were taking a test in a classroom and you were physically blind, you might think that the teacher wasn't even in there because the teacher is silent, okay? Now, when you're taking a test, one of God's tests, you need to keep this in mind. The teacher may be silent, but he has not left you. Just because the teacher is silent does not mean the teacher is absent. And it's the same with God. Just because God, you may be going through a season where it seems like God is silent. You need to know as a son and a daughter, you don't behave like an orphan. Just because God is silent does not mean that God is absent. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Never is a pretty important word in, this, in that. Matthew one twenty three says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. You know what that means? It means God with us. The teacher is with us. This is very important in these moments of silence that you, we, we mistake silence for absence. God is not absent in this season of your life. And this is something that we need to repeatedly tell ourselves. The second thing we need to remember taking the test is this. Tests require silence so you can focus. You need to focus in this season. Remember, the teacher has taught you all of these things spent, spent weeks teaching you this. You've been going to church. You've been going to Bible studies. You've been, you've been getting in God's word for years. Many of you, some of you are new believers, but many of you have been in God's word for years. You know what you need to do when you're taking a test and you can't find the answer. You need to push back from the table and say, well, I remember. Let me focus for a second. I think if I focus on this, I might know the answer. One of the greatest weapons we have, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring all things back to your remembrance, okay? So when you're going through a test, what you need to do is push back and remember the faithfulness of God. Remember how faithful God has been. Watch what it says in in Deuteronomy uh, chapter eight, verse two, it says, remember, say that word, say, "Remember remember how the Lord your God led you all the way through the wilderness for 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know that what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He said, this is what the author is saying. Remember, you gotta remember this. This is the cool thing about the tests that God gives us. They're open book tests. Isn't that cool? Like when I was a student, I loved open book tests. If 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 the teacher was like, okay guys, it's an open book test and there's no time limit. I'm like, oh good, I don't need to study for this test then. It's an open book test. God's test for your life is an open book test. There's something called the Bible, and he's like, this has all the answers in it. Here you go. You need to search for the answers instead of waiting for the answers to come to you. It's an open book test. So he wants us to remember. He wants us to go back. He wants us to remember the faithfulness of God. Okay? Now, we remember crazy stuff. We remember stupid stuff, don't we? I don't, know, I don't know if this generation will get it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it. I've done this before in church, and I just think it's fun to do to see if, if, if my church is still hip, okay? Now, finish this phrase. In West Philadelphia, born and raised. See? Yeah, so somebody was like, what? I don't know what that was. Why do we remember that? The, the other day, I was on a, on a, a road trip doing some fundraising for the university. And me, and me and my buddy was, we were out in California and we were going and we started reminiscing about, now these are my pre-Jesus days, as Paul would say, my pre-Damascus road days, you know? I used to listen to a little rap music in high school, okay? Don't judge me, don't, I, I feel the judgment right now, don't judge me, I reject your judgment, okay? And we were listening to the radio and this song came on that was not a good song, mind you and I remembered all the lyrics. I felt like I needed to take a shower after this song came on the radio. And I thought to myself, why does my, I haven't heard that song in 25 years, but I remember every lyric to that song. And sometimes I'm just like, why does my stupid brain remember that, but it doesn't remember the faithfulness of God? Why is this season of life that is so seemingly difficult, so difficult? God's never left me, he's never abandoned me, he's always been faithful, he's always been there for me, he's always provided for me. Why am I, why can't, I? isn't it funny that we remember the things that we should forget and forget the things that we should remember? And part of taking a test is focusing, remembering. When you go, when you, if you ever go to a golf tournament, and, and you, you're going to a PGA, which some of you are like, I'll never do that. It's cool. But if you do, right before they swing, there's this guy, these two or three guys that are standing around the player. And they'll hold up a sign that says, quiet. Shh. He's, he's focusing. <laughs> She's focusing. Shh. And they're standing over this ball remembering, okay, left arm straight, bend right arm. You know, they're remembering. When we go through seasons of life where, where, where God seems so silent, this is our prompting as believers to just push back from the test and say, God, what are you trying to say to me? What are, what are my feelings that I'm feeling that I need to reject? What is it that I need to correct inside of me? And remember, this is why when, they, when, when the Israelites got into the promised land, they crossed, the Bible says that they crossed the Jordan River and the Lord said, now go back into the river Each tribe, grab one stone and put it up on your shoulder and bring it back up on the banks in the promised land and stack these rocks up into a monument. Well, why would we do that, God? That's weird. So that in future generations, when they see those stacked rocks and say, what does that mean? You will be prompted to remember the faithfulness of God. And the, st- the rocks that I want you to grab are in the very impossible river that I just made a way for you to cross. I want you to grab the rocks from the impossible. The problem is God is always showing up and doing miracles in our life every single day. But we don't do a good job of picking up rocks and placing memorials to remember the faithfulness of God. So that when the next storm comes, we've forgotten all about the storm that God got us through. And when we're taking tests, we got to remember what God has done for us in the past and the faithfulness of God. We must concentrate. Concentrate. If God's being silent to you, focus. God, what are you trying to say to me? Press into what God is saying to me. Let this silence turn in, let, let this silence turn you to your memory. Let it bring back your memories. Because I bet if you searched long enough, you would realize that you shouldn't even be here but for the faithfulness of God. You just survived one of the most difficult years in modern history, and here you are, bruised and battered and scarred, but here you are. The faithfulness of God got you here. Some of you should have gotten a car wreck on the way here, but an angel stepped out in the intersection and did this, and you didn't even know it. You didn't even know it. His faithfulness is there on a continual basis if we just need to remind ourselves that the devil is trying to take you out every single day, and here you sit. Here you sit. He is faithful. He's faithful to us. I love what it says in in James 1, 2. It says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity. (laughs) to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. We need to stop worrying about the silence and start remembering the faithfulness. We need to start forgetting our feelings and remembering the faithfulness and let your faithfulness grow into endurance. You know what endurance means? Endurance means that you could run further today than you ran yesterday. Faithfulness is what gives you endurance. Hardship is what gives you faithfulness, which gives you endurance. That's why James, because this verse I was like, James, you're crazy, dude. Like, why should I have great joy? Because he's put this all together. Uh, if I'm being really brutally honest with you, Michelle and I have been going through a season for probably six months-ish, six or eight months, just whoosh, silence, silence from the Lord. Whoosh. And we've gone through seasons where it's like the Lord is just bursting with words for us. And she'll come up to me, you gotta read this Bible verse, God said this to me. You gotta see this, you gotta, you gotta re- hear the song. You gotta do just all these seasons of life where it seems like, there's just rain pouring down from heaven and it's just been incredible seasons. But for about six months, it's just been like God has been like, like awkward silence like that one that we just went through. You know, we don't like silence as humans. Like if I just stop talking right now, how long would it take you to get uncomfortable? If I just stared at you in the camera and just stared and never said a word. We don't like silence. We hate silence. Because when, like if, if, if something happened on the stage and I just went silent and didn't say anything, I don't know how long it would take for you because some of you are better with silence than others, but we would start feeling anxious, like I have to do something now. I don't want to do something. It's weird, isn't it? Silence It's just weird. I got this, this friend um, that I go to lunch with sometimes. Uh, he was raised in Japan. Now, in Japanese culture, silence is super normal. In, in America, we don't like silence because we're busy, we're busy, we've got to do this, we got to accomplish, we've got to grind, we've got to do this. In, in, in Japan, they are taught from a young age that you don't speak unless you're spoken to or unless you really have something important to say. And I love this guy, but man, lunches with him are brutal. (laughs) I mean, brutal. Because I'm like, well, how about them cowboys, you know? Um, Weather, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? The weather. But he has learned the art of embracing silence. That there's something really powerful in silence. If we will lean into this and learn what the Lord is wanting to say to us in these seasons... Great faith, this is, this is something I want you to write down. Great faith for today is found by having a great memory of God's faithfulness from yesterday. Bring back your memory. About, about uh, probably a month ago, Michelle and I, we were in the season of silence. And so we thought to ourselves, well, what was the last thing the Lord said? So I pulled out all my journals and she pulled out all of her journals. I was so glad God was silent because we were flooded by the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And I didn't need a word for today because I had a memory from yesterday. And I no longer feared today or tomorrow because I know the same God who was there yesterday will be there tomorrow. The Bible says that he's the alpha and the omega. The Greek letters of the alphabet, the first letter of the alphabet and the last letter of the alphabet. He's like, I'm A to Z. You don't need to worry about M and L-O-P. I just made that up on the fly. That was pretty good. <laughs> Cheesy, that bad dad joke. God is faithful. God can get you through this. I love what um, Mother Teresa said this. She said, The fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service. And the fruit of service is peace. Maybe silence is the best thing that God could ever do for you. Maybe a season of silence is exactly what you needed to get you to search out the heart of the Lord, to pass the test, that he has you walking through. David overcame Goliath by remembering the faithfulness of God with the bear and the lion. Remember that? He's like, I'm not afraid of this guy because God was helping me with the bear and the lion. No big deal. Jesus overcame the devil in the wilderness by quoting scriptures that he remembered. Now keep in mind, some of you are just coming into this idea of sonship and daughtership, right? Keep in mind that when Jesus came into his adoption, metaphorically speaking, he was baptized, came out of the water. So this says the dove descended from heaven and rested on him. And God said, this is my son, identity, in whom I am well pleased, intimacy. Okay? This is my son. Comes up out of the water. Guess the, the very next line says, and the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness. If you're in a season of silence, it might be because you have just come to the realization that you're a son or a daughter, and now you're taking a test. You're taking a test. And God is silent, but it's an open book test. It's an open book test. Let's pass this test. Last but not least, third one, I'll conclude with this. If God is being silent to you, perhaps you're in surgery Now, if you go to the doctor, the doctor will talk to you. The doctor will talk to you about what, what is possibly wrong with you. He could talk about symptoms. He could talk about, about what's, what, what issue is going on in your life and what issue is happening in your heart, and what the issue is happening in your joints or what issue is happening in your lungs or whatever the case may be. But if, if necessary, that's, that doctor will look you in the eye and say, it requires surgery. Some things, physical therapy is good. Maybe there's a pill, maybe there's something magical but there are seasons of our physical walk on earth where it requires surgery. And I'm here to tell you today that there are seasons of your spiritual walk where God might try physical therapy first <laughs> and it didn't work. And God says, we're gonna have to do surgery. Now the doctor will talk to you at a doctor's appointment, but the doctor won't even try to talk to you when you're in surgery. If, if, if it seems like the Lord has fallen silent in your life, maybe you're, he's either prompting you to search him more or you're taking a test or you, you might be in surgery. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 25 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean and I will cleanse you from all impurities and from, from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Now watch this. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. 2 Chronicles 31, 31, 32, 31 says, God withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him and to see what was really in his heart. I'm gonna test your heart. And if you fail the test, I might need to do surgery on your heart. And for some of us, I don't know what battle you're facing or what test that you seem like you take over and over again. Maybe for you, It's forgiveness. And God has challenged you to forgive that person over and over and over again. And you try and you fail. And let's let's just take the test again. Let's take the test again. We may enter a season of life where God's like, we're gonna have to do surgery in in this situation. If you can't hear the doctor while you're in surgery, you must simply trust the surgeon with the scalpel. He is the great physician after all. I, I'm, I'm pretty much done. I, I came to tell you that this season of silence that, that you may be, maybe I'm, maybe I'm talking to one person. Maybe this sermon's more for me than anybody else. But what I'm trying to tell you today is if you're in a season where it seems like God is silent, this might be the most important season of your entire life because God does his best work in the wilderness. He does his best work in us in the wilderness if we'll lean into these moments and embrace these moments. So what do we do while we wait? We search. What do we do while we're waiting for a whisper? We search, I'm gonna lean in, God, what are you trying to say to me? I'm gonna search. It's an open book test, God, I'm gonna get into the word. I'm gonna listen to worship music when I feel like listening to country music. I'm gonna turn off Luke Bryan and I'm gonna turn on some Hillsong, right? I'm gonna lean in to something when I don't feel like it. If you don't feel like doing it, that's probably exactly what you need to do, okay? Let that be your prompt. If you don't feel like opening the word, let that be your prompt to open the word. We're we're gonna take the test, we're gonna embrace the test, we're gonna pass the test, we're gonna stop retaking this test over and over again and we're gonna remember, God help me remember, what am I missing here? I don't wanna take this test again, so what am I missing? Speak to me, show me. And the the third thing is we're gonna open our heart for surgery. And I wanna give you just a really quick warning, okay? Um, Jesus said these words that I I think are so clear, it gives us a sneak peek into the enemy. I love love scriptures where it kinda lets us walk into the enemy's camp and and open up his game plan and see what his game plan is, and then I can close it up and walk out and be like, I know how to beat this punk, okay? So watch what Jesus said. In Matthew 12, 31, he says, when a demon is cast out of a person, this is what the demon does. It roams around a dry region, looking for a place to rest, but never finds it. Do you know where the enemy is looking for a place to rest? In your wilderness. When you enter into a season where it seems like God is silent and you feel like you're in a wilderness season, the enemy's like, ooh, ooh. This might be my next candidate. It's a test to see what's really in your heart. Don't, I love how that verse ends because it can kind of seem kind of scary. It says he's looking for a place to rest, but he'll never find it. He'll never find it because sons and daughters know better, know better than to let him come into those areas of our life. Let me pray real fast. Father, I have more that, that, that I could say, God, but I, I just feel like we need to stop and pause. God, we, we lean into this, God. I, I feel a uh, sense that there's people in this room and at Edmond and watching online who are so tired of the silence. That their silence has almost taken root into bitterness. Like, God, why, 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 why won't you answer me? Why won't you speak to me? God, I pray that in these moments we would embrace. We would embrace the silence, God. We would lean into it to ask the Father, what is it? What is the strategy of the silence? Thank you for your presence that is among us right now, Lord. In Jesus' name.
0: Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in his presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church slash give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.